Hello and welcome to the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In these episodes, we will dive deep into the idea of peace. What is it? Is it even attainable? Everyone wants it. So how can we make it manifest? Along with my own experiences, you will also hear uplifting stories from inspirational people who are building peace in their own lives and the world around them. We are on the threshold of a new society, looking at where science meets spirituality. And these stories are a call to action to help overcome division and build a better society for all concerned. Join me on this thought-provoking journey to explore ways we can all amplify peace and love. Hello, and thank you so much for being here at another episode of the Peace and Love Amplifiers podcast. This one, my guest that's joining me today, this organization is beautiful in their mission. Um, Dan Roten is the executive director of HopeWorks in Camden. And their HopeWorks' mission is to focus on education, technology, and entrepreneurship and provides a positive healing atmosphere that propels young people to build strong futures and break the cycle of violence and poverty in Camden, New Jersey. They connect youth to life-changing opportunities where their growing technology skills go to work for enterprising businesses within our community. The real world on the job experience they gain raises their potential and benefits their partners. And I can go on and on about they've been around since 1999 and were formed by three different churches in North Camden to help give job skills training to high school dropouts. They've since become a certified organization where they are all trained in trauma-informed care. It's just an amazing organization. So Dan, thank you so much for being here and for coming. I'm just, I'm so excited. How you doing? Great. Well, after that intro, I'm going to go home for the rest of the day. <laughs> this sounds awesome. So I agree. <laughs> no, but joking aside, it's an honor to be on a podcast with an innovator like you, someone who's done so much to, for healing in our community. So thanks so much for having me on, really. Oh, absolutely. In all transparency, I used to work, I used to go into HopeWorks when I worked, when I worked for Camden Wellness. Mm-hmm. and did chair massage to the youth and the staff there way, 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 way back in like 2001 mm-hmm. to somewhere back there. So yeah. So, and Dan, what you guys do, and you can tell more about, you know, the organization itself and and the stories, I'm sure the stories that you have, but, you know, as a peace builder, and I think what you do is definitely a peace building thing, you know, all that you do, all that HopeWorks does, you know, what we talk about here on the podcast is how self-love begets inner peace, inner peace begets world peace, therefore self-love begets world peace, right? If we all have this sense of self-love, it amplifies out into our families, into our communities, into our, the world you know, the more people that are doing it, the more people that are going to be feeling swimming in the soup of joy and love. So how does what you do 
and hope works. Touch on all that because it does. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about and think a lot about hope works is scarcity. And one of the things as humans that we're kind of like bred to understand is that if I don't have enough, I should be scared. I should be frightened, right? That's that's evolutionary, how we're built, right? Right. And so one of the things that we think a lot about at HopeWorks is just poverty, right? And, and inequity. And think, and, you know, I joke sometimes, but, you know, it turns out that in some ways the solution to poverty is actually fairly simple. The solution to poverty is money. You know, and when you have enough, not that you you're, have a Lamborghini, but when you have enough, then you can really start to develop both as a person, both spiritually, mentally, physically, right? When you have enough to eat, when you have enough to eat mentally, when you're not stressed all the time and the brain cortisol and stress hormones are going crazy, you can really build something beautiful. And at HopeWorks, really, that's a first step for us. You know, when young people walk in the door, HopeWorks, they're making less than $400 per year. They don't have enough. Wow. And when they walk out the door, they're making now, on average, just over $40,000. And now, no one's, again, no one's buying a Lamborghini, but you have enough, right? And when you're not worried about where your next meal is going to come from, when you're not worried about being evicted, you can be a true member of your community, right? You can be there for your family, and you can be there for yourself and do the kinds of things that will allow you to develop and grow as a person. And so I think probably the short answer to your question is what HopeWorks does first and foremost is help people realize they can have enough, right? And take away that fear of that scarcity generates, especially scarcity generates in our system, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? When we, right. when our needs, our basic needs are not met, there's no self-realization, no self-actualization. When, when we don't have, you know, like you said, food on the table or where our housing is not secure and even the area that we live in, you know, if, if that's not secure, there's always that sense of scarcity, you know, and scare mm -hmm. is in there, you know, that you're scared right. of, of, you know, this underlying fear of everything, you know, and when you guys started becoming trauma-informed, can you talk about that? Because it's so, for those of you that aren't, you know, from the South Jersey area, Cam, can you describe Camden for our listeners and all of the good stuff that is going on in the city and what's going on that people have to work through, you know, and why trauma-informed care? Absolutely. So, you know, first I will tell you kind of my definition of trauma-informed care, which you're such an expert yourself that I, I, I always hesitate to say, but no. <laughs> how I describe it is fundamentally, you know, like this is if there are five people lined up to run a race, right? And one of them has broken their ankle. What you don't do is walk up to everyone and say, ready, set, go. And when the person with a broken ankle has trouble running or runs a little bit slower, you don't look at them and say, well, you need to try harder. You need to show more grit, right? Right. You would never, ever do that in a race. If you walked up to a starting line and saw someone had a broken ankle, the first thing you would do is you would tell them, excuse me, before you start running, your ankle's broken. It's not supposed to hurt like that. 
And then once you told them it was hurting and told them that what they were experiencing, the reason they were having trouble running was not because they were bad or stupid or lazy, but actually because they 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 had been hurt, then you would help them heal, right? You would bandage it up. You'd put a cast on it. It'd have to do a lot of work, right? They'd have to exercise and do physical therapy, but it would be worth it because the body would heal. And then you'd work with them. You'd stick with them, right? You wouldn't like dump them in the stands. You'd stay with them until the body, the ankle was healed. Then you'd put them back on that race. And you would say, look, you're not just as good as these other folks that are running the race because they've never known that pain. They, they haven't healed like you have. You've had experiences now they've never had. Now that you're strong, now that you're healed, go get them, right? And then you'd put them in the race. That's beautiful. I love right? it. It's, and, it's so visual. It's <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's what it, because, you know, you talk about, or, you know, you hear about privilege and you hear about different levels of privilege and having some kind of visual thing to say, oh yeah, I get it. I understand that when you have so much trauma going around from the town that you live in, the city that you live in, people are so hyper vigilant that they get, you know, anything is a trigger, you know? So to lower the body's hypervigilance to lower that cortisol, like you said, is one of those first key things to do to help somebody calm and feel like a different normal, start to feel a different normal because they have to live at such a level of toughness just to survive. And I'm sure when you have the youth come in that they, you know, how do you help them when they first start in your organization in HopeWorks? Well, you know, and, you know, one of the things that's really important, I think, is probably the most important thing we do when folks walk into HopeWorks is make sure they realize that there's nothing unusual about experiencing hurt and trauma. And, you know, you know better than I do the studies show, but the fact of the matter is typically when a young person walks into an organization like HopeWorks that's meant to help them, the first thing that organization does is talk about all the bad things they've experienced and how they're so unusual and they're so damaged and they're so hurt, right? But actually, right, research and everything tells us that we've all experienced traumas. At HopeWorks, we say we all have our invisible backpacks. We're all managing that stuff. The stuff, the techniques, the safety plans and self-care plans and emotional management, the stuff that we train our young people in at HopeWorks are things that I do. It's things that we all have to do because the fact is folks of privilege might hide it better than folks that have less privilege. But the fact is we all have our histories that we bring to work each day. It's not about not having a history or how folks from Camden have this history and folks from Cherry Hill don't. It's that humans (laughs) bring their histories with them wherever we go. And we can't pretend that they're not there. And we can't pretend that it's not who makes us who we are. The same childhood experiences that made me all the good parts of me are also the same childhood experiences that gave me the traumas and hard parts of my history too. You can't separate them. So the first thing is like, hey, here at HopeWorks, here's things that we do to help us stay engaged and on task and do the work, not because you're from Camden or you're from North Philly or from Cherry Hill. Not It's not based on where you're from. It's based on you're a human. And these are things humans need to learn to grow and change and heal, right? I think that's the first thing is just helping everyone who walks through the front door realize this is how people do it, not how folks who've experienced trauma or folks who are, who are from a tough neighborhood. This is how people do it. 
let's work together and acknowledge your unique self and the techniques you need to heal and grow. I love it because, and it's, it's so true because I always, you know, having my own traumas and even my father had traumas when he was growing up. And so, you know, that intergenerational transmission of wounds, you know, Mm -hmm. this whole thing of, you know, how the traumas kind of flow through the generations too, you know, of how my own grandparents handled themselves. And it's not just the the child or the youth coming in. It's like they're bringing in their whole family. They're bringing in their whole experience. And it's just, it's phenomenal that HopeWorks started as, you know, teaching youth how to program and do some like web-based design, things like that. And now you've, you've grown into Salesforce and GIS and just doing things with the city, with the remember you guys were working with the street lights and now mm-hmm. you're doing sidewalk, you know, describe the things that you guys are doing to give these youth some, some experience, some real world experience. Yep. As you know, so fundamentally what we do, right, is young people come in and they start with the technology training, front end web development, geographic information systems, digital mapping, data visualization. But you said it, Julie, like just training folks in tech isn't enough, right? You need to build the skills like we talked about to be ready socially emotionally but you also need experience so we hire young people into our businesses so we provide web design services to companies all over the country we provide gis digital mapping services to fortune 100 infrastructures companies like american water and comcast and we even train schools and nonprofits in how to work with folks who have experienced trauma and by we i don't mean me We sell services to businesses who then pay us that we pay our young people. We're currently paying our young people $15 an hour, a living wage, so that they can build wealth, gain experience, build a portfolio, and then move on into industry. I mean, it's it's a perfect win-win. Companies get services they were going to need anyway. But by hiring us to do it, they not only get great service, but they also are having the social impact that they want. Mm-hmm. We're able to pay our young people a living wage, help them start to climb out of poverty, build a portfolio for themselves that makes them super marketable in the marketplace. It's an awesome, awesome way to do it. I'm clearly biased, right? But- <laughs> Me too. Me too. I'm <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a full circle. It really is. It's, it's like this own cocoon of, of helping people, you know, and companies helping youth helping it's it's just a beautiful relationship symbiotic thing you know and you know as the guy that took over from the guy you you know father oh, jeff and i mentioned father jeff he's the one that started it and oh, the founder right yeah you know and so you took over from him what led you mr dan roten to this organization oh sure yeah yeah no, so I, most of my career, you know, I was a teacher and a vice principal at a detention facility okay. outside of Philadelphia. And I got to tell you, it was so fun. I mean, now, granted, granted, you know, folks like detention facility doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but I'm telling you, it was. And here's, I mean, here's why. So I don't want to take anything away. The young man, it was all men who got to my detention facility had done bad things. Like there's, I don't want to make light of that. But here's the thing. If you had like I was joked, but like you had to work pretty hard to get to me. We were fairly a we were a very selective school, right? <laughs> yeah. You had to get sentenced to us. You couldn't just apply. 
which meant that you were not sitting in your mom's basement playing video games. It meant that you weren't just like hanging out outside the 7-Eleven. To get to me, I knew from the jump, you had fire. You had something, right? <laughs> you were trying to make a life for yourself. Now, you had done it in some pretty bad ways. Clearly, you ended up in my classroom, but you had what it took, right? And if you were up in a different neighborhood or were probably white, you might not have even been incarcerated, right? You might've been hailed as an entrepreneur, but either way you had what it took. And I can work with that, right? I mean, and we did awesome things there. I mean, I have alumni who's an Obama fellow. I have alumni who run their own businesses, right? I mean, it's just awesome. Wow. Look at you. I, it was right. I mean, I, I, I tell my goldfish about that, right? Like, I, <laughs> I, I mean, it's awesome, right? But for all the good stories, here's the thing, right? However powerful was the moment those young men had with me, they went back to lives where they had records. They went back to neighborhoods where they were known as the troublemaker, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them overcame that, but a lot more didn't, right? And a lot more, it's hard to get a job on a record, right? Yeah. And so I ended up coming to HopeWorks when I was like, we can do better than this. Why, when a young person comes out of incarceration, do we have to hope that some employer takes a chance on them when I know how awesome they are? Mm. What if I could work with this Father Jeff character, right, who's already gotten the idea of training folks in technology and maybe building tech businesses? And what if I could help him grow it? So my young men coming out of incarceration and all the folks that are headed into incarceration or homelessness or trafficking could instead find a place not to like beg and plead for help, but instead find a place where they can learn the skills so they are the person everybody wants to talk to. They are running the business or they're providing the services folks want to buy and give them the economic power. And so that was the chance that I jumped into at Hope. That's awesome. And one of my teachers used to call that scenario where, you know, you have this child, you have them in this self-contained environment, and then you send them out into the world and they kind of, you know, they're back in the toxic soup of the community or whatever it is. They, he used to call that an orchid in a snowstorm. You know, you have this beautiful being that the environment around them just isn't healthy. It isn't appropriate for the nurturing of that beautiful orchid, a beautiful person. And yeah, so I, I really, I always said a person shouldn't be, their opportunities shouldn't be based on their zip code. And here, you know, in, in the South Jersey area, there's a lot of affluent towns. And, you know, I used to go to school in Camden. I went to school at Rutgers. And I used to take the high speed line in from the suburbs and go all the way from one end to the other of this train. It was like a 20 minute train ride. But, you know, you go through some, you know, middle class neighborhoods working class. And then you go through these beautiful Haddonfields and, and beautiful towns. You can just see the changes, you know, going into the city of Camden. And, you know, it was a company town. Campbell Soup is still based in Camden. And a lot of the people, my grandparents and, you know, they all worked in Camden. They all, my, my grandfather was working at RCA, which is right there. And Camden was a place to be. And then, you know, the, all the industry left and, you know, rising up again from when industry left. So, you know, there's, there's so much vibrancy now in the city 
as the person who who you are and what you guys are doing there, like what are the other things going on in the city that you see? Yeah, when you know, and I'll play with your your flower analogy a little bit, like right. Cool. You know, someone told said this to me once is like one way to think about what happens in places like Camden is if you have this fertile field full of awesomeness, right? What happens is all these flowers start to grow, right? They grow all over the place. They're wildflowers. And it's beautiful. And you incredible things come from that. Things like hip hop, things like, like so many things, right? But if you're looking for a grass field, a lawn, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take the weed whacker of racism and just mow it all down. And then you're going to see that field is going to come back. It's going to try to grow again. And, and racism and redlining and all these things are going to mow it all down again. And one of two things will happen, right? Either folks will keep mowing it all down until gentrification turns it into that lawn and folks say, oh, it got better. Or until you just brutalize that field so much, it becomes barren and nothing will grow. But I'll tell you what happens most of the time is those seeds keep being planted. And if you leave it alone and instead of trying to make it look like something else, you help it, you help it heal and grow into what it wants to be. Communities like Camden are the engines of awesomeness, right? Mm. And if you look, I would say too, if you look at where in American history innovation comes from, where in American history do we really like really do the best work? It's in places like Camden. It's in, right, you know, like the biggest artistic movements of our time, right? The social justice movements of our time, they don't come from satisfied enclaves, right? Mm-hmm. They come from places that are this fertile mix that are allowed to grow, right? And so I think what I'm seeing in Camden is, especially as folks think about like remote work and where companies can do the best work and what makes a company good and its commitment to diversity and equity, or even what makes police good, right? If you mm-hmm. haven't noticed, Camden's crime rate has stayed low, even as the crime rate elsewhere has skyrocketed. And why? It's because in Camden, the police aren't trying to buzz saw down and make everybody conform. Instead, they're working with the community. They're marching alongside the community. And what you see happening in Camden, you know, stretching out a little bit, it's blooming, right? Like shootings are up everywhere, but not in Camden, right? Crime is up everywhere, but not in Camden. You know, there are uprisings against police brutality, but not in Camden, right? And I think that's an example of how when you stop trying to make everything look like that, you know, lawn, but instead kind of like take the richness that's there and let it bloom. That's awesome. What can happen. Yes, it is. And yeah, just letting the seeds that best grow in that area grow, you know, yeah. and not, and just what are the plants equally and that which is vibrant and best suited for that field will grow and grow strong and grow healthy. And it just needs all the same stuff that we all need, right? We need, we need water, we need fertilizer, we need sunlight. And, you know, it's not rocking science. You know, we, we have to get a lot of the, the isms out of, out of the way and be mindful of them and be aware of them when they do show up and call them out when they do show up, you know, mm-hmm. of, racism and the strife and the whatever it is. And so, you know, I really think that what HopeWorks does for the youth, for their family, 
for the community, the city of Camden, it's exponential. It really is. It really, and it just, it's doing the work of peace building. You really are. And without calling yourself a peace builder, but you're doing it. And because I think, you know, peace, we need a lot of work in that area. It's not, you know, to me, peace isn't just covering things up. It isn't putting things in the corner, just, you know, peace for peace sake is really kind of digging out all of the stuff that is going on. And I always right. talk about, you know, we have this festering wound, right? We're pulling in a lot of metaphors here, a lot of stories, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if we have this festering wound, you know, you could cover it up and it won't get better, right? You need to take off the bandage. You need to clean it out and really get rid of all of the stuff that isn't good mm. to heal that wound, right? then you can cover it up. Then it's going to heal. Then it's going to, you know, when you just kind of put a bandaid on it and send it on its way, it's there's, it's not working, you know? So peace building is really like doing the work of seeing where things are not peaceful. Right. And where it's like the, the princess and the pea too, right. Mm. You know, you cover, 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 and you got to get in and pull that pea out. And then you're just like, oh, okay, that that's what's going on. That's what was causing the problem. So, you know, we all need to be aware of what is going to make each and every person a viable member of society, you know, mm. and viable in their own self, knowing, you know, that they have what they need. They have everything right. that they need, you know, and they just kind of made the wrong decision. Somebody wasn't there to say, no, you, you need to get on this path, not on this path. You know, as far mm. as, you know, the guys that incarcerated guys that you were working with, you know, it's just, they didn't have that person in their life who, whether it's from their family or their grandparents or whoever it is, you know, it's like kind of being there for someone to help guide. And then also to be guided when mm. we need help, when we need the guidance to when we're not sure where we want to be. And, and just, and then it's also listening, listening to that higher power, listening to source, whatever it is that is calling you, you know, that whatever resides in you, to me, we're all interconnected. We're all, what affects someone affects me. What happens to me affects someone, you know, so there's this interconnected field of which we're all a part, right? So when we all can feed the field love and peace and joy and comfort, it's rippling out in all of us. So, you know, just doing that within hope works between the trauma-informed care and all that is exponentially generation after generation after generation is going to benefit from what you guys are doing. No, that's a that's a honor to hear you talk about that. But I do really think it's you know if we start building wealth and every and if I always joke, but we never want the child of a HopeWorks alumni to come back to HopeWorks unless they're making a donation, right? Because, <laughs> I because love it. yeah, that's the key, right? We don't yeah. want to serve people, uh, generations of families, right? We want to serve one young person now and change the trajectory so they're building wealth for themselves, right? I think if we can do that, yeah, to your point, we can have some an exponential impact. All right. Well, so Dan, how do you take care of you? 
how do you do what you do as far as helping with your own sense of inner peace of do you have anything that you would recommend for anyone that's listening you know i mean two things you know that that work I mean, the first thing i like so my job is super fun <laughs> <laughs> i mean like and i think folks who talk about working to help people change their lives and how difficult it is like i couldn't do it the way they do it but i got to tell you at hope works you know it's like other folks you know you go to your job at an firm or wherever, and then you go home and you watch an inspirational movie to get an uplift, right? I am an extra in that movie every day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's awesome. I'm not the main character. I'm like the guy back in the file cabinet, you know? But yeah, exactly. I'm in that movie all the time. I get to see folks making those changes, getting the job, doing the thing every day. Wow. So the first thing is, you know, I can't create the illusion that like I'm particularly put upon in my job, if that makes sense. So that's the first thing is it's super fun. And I think that is part of it too, is remember that you're winning. You know what I mean? Like when you see the victories every day, yeah, there's so much bad in the world, but there's so much more good, right? Mm-hmm. Humans are naturally altruistic. They naturally care about other people. And yeah, listen, there's a lot of folks who do a lot of dumb stuff, but like, if you look on balance, so I think that's the first thing is seeing what's really there, not just seeing the dark right? There's no darkness without the light, right? You know, that you can't, shadow only exists because the light is there shining, right? Mm-hmm. And the shadow, a dark spot just means something's blocking the light. So just move it, right? Yeah. The other thing that I keep in mind that someone said to me once is, you know, hey, listen, do you believe in happy endings? And it's a yes or no question, like either do or you don't, right? And if you do, that has an important thing to remember. That means that if you're in the middle of a day, and it is not a happy ending, things are not going well, you know, it's looking dark and cold. All that means is you're just not at the end yet. You're in the middle part of the story. (laughs) I love it. Right? And that alone, those two things, just remembering that can do so much to change how you look at things, right? And then, of course, when you're having fun and you're doing the work and you realize like you're having an impact, then you can go home and you can have fun. You can enjoy time with your kids. You know, you don't have to be because you're doing the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's such a luxury, right? To be able to, you know, when when you see something on TV and you're like, man, I wish I could do something. And you're like, wait, I, I'm doing it eight hours a day. I'm doing that thing. Like, I'm not like someone who's working at Comcast, who's awesome and has to work and like does digital transformation, which is awesome, but then has to wonder about the impact of their work, right? I'm not in that boat, right? Yeah which is awesome. I think those things really helped me, you know, really, really, I, I have a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and it shows it's, <laughs> <laughs> you can't deny it. <laughs> no. And it's beautiful. I mean, I love, I love my day job. I, I know I'll be doing what I'm doing for the rest of my working life. And, you know, when I say I am a hospice massage therapist, they're like, Oh, you know, but it's like, no, I love it. I'm giving that gift when the family needs it the most, you know, so I love my job. And it, it's so true that, you know, you're doing the thing, you're doing what you, what feeds your soul. And, right. you know, and you're, you in turn are then like sharing your light, you're sharing it just, it's like just coming out of you and you can't help but affect everyone around you. And for all those people that are kind of like stuck in their job of like, blech, it's like, okay, what can you do that will feed your soul? 
whether mm-hmm. it's just, you know, volunteering or giving to HopeWorks, you know, knowing, you know, if you make a donation to HopeWorks, you're going to be feeding these youth and their families for generations. So, you know, it's, it's really taking that time to just sit and, and say, what can I do today? Or what can I do this month that will feed my soul? You know, and so, you know, you just get all those juicy hormones going and you're just throwing out beautiful things out into the, to the world around you. So yes, yes, yes. All right. So all of your links, you know, hope works and all that stuff will be on the show notes so they can find you there, all of our listeners, but you're a nonprofit. So you accept donations. And I think anybody listening that is drawn to Dan and to the work that hope works does because it is phenomenal and it is over 20 years old now, they're going to be here to help, you know, the youth of Camden. And, you know, so feel, you know, donations are gladly accepted at hopeworks.com. So, but all that stuff will be on the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? Any, Uh, anything? Oh, I would just say like, come see us, right? Come for a tour, meet our young people. Like I'm nice, but you don't want to talk to right? Come meet our young people. And like, you'll see what I mean. It's just awesome. So my friend, I think oh, good you. talking to you. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this talk and, you know, anytime you want to come back in the near future, I just wanted to, to shout out that next in September, uh, September 21st is the international day of peace. And that is a UN sponsored event. And here in the Philadelphia area, we're going to be doing a lot of different events through Peace Day Philly. There'll be more information of that coming out. But Dan, I really, 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 really appreciate you and the work that Hope Works in Camden does. Um, Likewise. And everybody that's working with you, everybody that's doing the work, doing the thing that is helping, to me, helping the entire planet. You're right. You know, there's more good out there than not. And you are definitely a shining example of that. Listen, it's just a pleasure to be on a show with somebody like you, Julie. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, my friend, take care. All right. Be well. Hey, you peace and love amplifier. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at peaceandloveamplifiers.com. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening. And remember to ask yourself, what's Am I feeding the field? Until next time.